0: So whenever I was um, in high school, I graduated high school at 17, and uh, just because how my birthday landed, not because I was um, accelerating through high school. <laughs> my mom's here, she can attest to that. She's laughing right now, thinking. She prayed me through high school, everybody, all right? That's really the bones of it. But as soon as I graduated, like five days later, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, not because I had a wonderful home life, I was just ready to get started. Like, I was gonna go change the world, good or bad. And it, it wasn't determined at that point. I just wanted to get going and start life. Anybody else with me? Raise your hand. You, you felt, okay, not, not so many. You're like, no, I wanted to stay home, not me. I was like, let's go do something. So I moved into a three brand new apartment with six guys. And yeah, a <laughs> lot of bagel bites, everybody. Lots of bagel bites, a lot of pizza rolls. Can I get a better amen in the house or so? Um, and so uh, I lived on a mattress on the floor because I was 17, and I worked at Wilson Sporting Goods and their warehouse in Nashville, and here was my job. I stood in front of a big bend of basketballs, and you know the box that the basketball is in on the shelf? I would take that box out of a box, like open it up, shove the ball in the middle, and then put it in another one to get shipped out. I did that for um, eight hours a day, minus my two 15-minute breaks and my one thirty minute break. That's when I realized I didn't wanna work at Wilson Sporting Goods the rest of my life. <laughs> There was an agnostic beside me, someone who believed in a higher power, but just didn't believe that it was Jesus. And so I would witness to him all day and plug basketballs. I'm sure he was glad the day I quit. Um, we had some great conversations, though. And, uh, and so, I, I, but I remember I, I moved to Nashville and I had a bank account, and it was at First American Bank in ten, Nashville, Tennessee. I don't even know if they exist anymore. Wells Fargo probably bought them. Um, but... That was my bank account. And I'll I'll never forget, I I didn't uh, practice a whole lot of good financial principles as a 17-year-old living in Nashville. Um, What I did is I worked all day from like six to three, and then I sat by the pool. And I was like, I am living large. in this three-bedroom apartment eating bagel bites. And so, but I remember the first time that, uh, that I got a, um, a notice from the bank because um, for everyone in the younger generation, we used to uh, get things in the mail called statements. <laughs> bank statements. If you remember a bank statement, give your boy a holler. Okay, there we go. So bank statements, you couldn't pull it up on the app and look at your account. You had to wait on the bank statement and then you wanted to reconcile that with your registry. Because yeah. you wrote a check. Yeah. You didn't Venmo nobody. Yeah. You didn't Apple Pay nobody. They thought you may be giving them an apple to eat. Yeah. was well, no Apple Pay, no Venmo, no, no, none of that. No texting money, it was like I had to write you a check. Then you wasn't gonna deposit that check by taking a picture, you was gonna go to the bank, to the teller teller. That's somebody that stands behind the desk at the bank. You're going to give it to them. They're going to say, in about five days, this will be available to you. <laughs> come on. We've come a long way, right? But I remember I got a notice from the bank and the notice was this, you've overdrafted. Yeah. And I got a fee with the overdraft. Yeah. I remember the first overdraft I got, I was thinking, So I didn't have money for whatever I bought, and now you're gonna charge me a fee like I got money to pay your fee. Some banker, write me and explain this to me. I understand it's accountability, I get it all now, but I was 17, everybody. And I remember thinking in my mind, one, I I didn't tell anybody, I didn't didn't call home and tell anybody, I didn't tell anybody in my apartment, because here's what I remember feeling was embarrassed. I felt embarrassed, I felt ashamed. And I don't know about y'all, but I can, I can, if I don't get a hold of my mind, I can quickly spiral down real quick. And so I had myself like, I, I had, I, I just knew cops were showing up at my doorstep. <laughs> They were, they were gonna arrest me and take me off, you know, that this life I dreamed was just over. Like I just spiraled down, because I was like, obviously I can't pay the overdraft, and then there's gonna be another overdraft, and now I'm up to $70 in fee, and then there's gonna be another. Are y'all tracking with me? Like I was just like, it's just gonna keep spiraling over and get worse and worse and worse. And so I remember feeling, I remember that money created feelings, and that money created thoughts in my mind, and I remember this, this how, how I began to relate to money in a way that it was, it, it was associated with fear and it was associated with overwhelmed and it was associated with, with anxiousness. And this is how money felt. And, and I remember this overdraft fee moment and it made me feel stuck. And I thought, I will never get ahead of this or I'll never be able to dig out of this. This is, my, are y'all, this is my 17-year-old mind, y'all tracking with me? And thankfully, a lot has changed since then and I've learned a whole lot and studied a whole lot and got a lot more wisdom and actually put into practice what I knew I should have put into practice even at 17. But I remember feeling that way and here's what I think is that a lot of us relate or, or experience money in that way. That if I were to sit down with you individually, not a lot of us would go, yeah, when I think about money, I think freedom. When I think about money, I think peace. I think harmony. I think goodness of God. No, a lot of us would associate still, even to this day, words like fear, like like one domino could, could come, the whole thing come crashing down. That, that one wrong medical bill could really set me back. That, that one issue could really. And so we, think, we feel overwhelmed when we really think about it. And some of us we're going to talk about today don't even really want to think about it. Because when we think about it, we just think overwhelmed about it. And I just want you to know that's not how God intended you to live. But I will tell you, you're not alone. That if studies are true, the average American, that means the average American in this room and our campuses online, our church family, the average is about $7,000 in credit card debt. And that doesn't include consumer debt like cars and other, just credit cards. And they're paying about $1,500 annually in interest on that. So it just continues to feel, and most people said they feel like it's a hole they'll never dig out of. If studies are true, bankrate.com did a study and found that 21% of Americans are saving nothing for the future. And the overwhelming majority are not even saving 10% for their future, which means most people will not be ready for retirement. It's quiet in church today. That's why I got you laughing at first because I knew <laughs> we were going downhill real fast. <laughs> The Associated Press did a poll and said that two-thirds, think about that, two-thirds, if you're not good at math, that's a lot of people, <laughs> are not prepared for a $1,000 emergency. I mean, they're not prepared for a $1,000 car bill. They're not prepared for a $1,000 home issue. They're not prepared for a $1,000 medical issue. They're not prepared for a 1000 So what ends up happening? They put it on that credit card that already has an average of $7,000 on it that they can't pay off. And they're making monthly payments, which means it'll be years before they ever pay it off. And so then that just gets... And so it becomes this cycle. And I just want you to know that God never intended for you to live that way. Listen to me clearly. It is not the will of God for your life for you to live in fear, overwhelmed, anxious arguments, the number one cause of divorce in most Americans that divorce is finances. That is not the will of God for your life. Are you hearing me today? It's not the will of God for your life. And I feel a responsibility to teach this. Why? Because the Bible talks about it. Most of you don't know this, but the Bible talks about your money more than it talks about heaven and hell combined. There are more verses related. Why? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Because this is the source of so much anxiety. This is the source of so much stress. This is the source of so much fear. And that is not the will of God for his people, for you to live that way. Now, listen to me. I want to set the record straight because I've been accused of many things. One of them is that I'm a prosperity preacher, And I am not a prosperity preacher. I do not believe uh, in prosperity theology that if you give God a dollar and you just sow enough seeds that God's gonna give you a Mercedes Benz. No, you could be generous all you want, but if you don't know how to manage the 90% that God put in your hand, you could be broke the rest of your life. Are you tracking with me? I I don't believe it. However, I am not a poverty preacher. I do not believe that God wants you poor and broke and stressed out and overwhelmed. I believe the Bible principles will lead to a blessed life. And that is what I believe. I believe in a blessing theology, not a prosperity theology and not a poverty theology. And there are people that preach both and they're both wrong. I don't call out people a minute, but that's wrong. But I do believe in a blessing. I believe blessed are those who the Sermon on the Mount. I believe in a blessing theology, are you following me? But it begins, not with your checkbook, not with your online account, not with a spreadsheet, it begins with your mindset. And I wanna talk to you today about money mindsets. And I do want you to know, I want you to write this down, I want you to write this website down, they're gonna put it on the screen for you, lifepoint.org slash financial resources. And we're gonna get to some of this in the weeks ahead. But we're not gonna start there today, but I do want you to know we've, we've created a website with all kinds of resources, podcasts, books we recommend, sermons we recommend, um, budgeting tools, all kinds of things that you can go there and get a lot more. There's no way I could cover it all In a short series, but I want you to go there, get that. We want to help you live financially free, and there are biblical principles. To do that, if you're with me, say amen. Amen. All right, well, I'm gonna give you three mindsets today that are wrong mindsets that I think you've gotta change and you've gotta ruthlessly uproot in your life, and they're created by by a number of, of things, experiences what was modeled that, and what you grew up in. There, there's all kinds of different directions that these mindsets come from, but I want to help you recognize three that are wrong that will not lead you to financial freedom. Then I'll give you the one that will lead you to freedom. And, um, and then we're going to talk more next week. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Now, in each of these mindsets, here's what I'm going to give you. So this is the structure. It'll be very teaching today. Um, I'll get back to preaching and yelling and stuff in a few weeks. Uh, but... <laughs> I'm going to give you the mindset, I'm going to give you the excuse, the excuse the mindset brings as to why you can never get out of it, and then I'm going to give you the root that you've got to address. All right. The mindset is the scr- structure of the message, so I'm going to be a good teacher, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to tell, tell you what I did tell you, all right? That's, so the mindset, the excuse, and then the root, there's a root issue there's a root issue. And if you don't up uproot the root, it doesn't matter how many resources we give you, how many biblical principles they give you. It doesn't matter how many of that. You'll continue to live the same pattern because you didn't change your mind because transformation, according to Romans 12:2, comes by the renewing of your Come on, everybody say it with me. The renewing of your mind. Of your mind. you got to change your mindset or you will never. This ain't a Tony Robbins talk. It's a Bible talk. You're with me? But you got to change your mindset or you'll never change your behavior because your behavior is rooted in what you believe. you got to change what you believe to change your behavior. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Mindset number one, we're going to move through these. Number one is a scarcity mindset a scarcity mindset. The word scarcity means lack. It means short supply. And some of us, the way that we view money and the way that we relate to it is through a scarcity mindset. It's, and the excuse here is there's never enough. So I can't do A, B, and C, I can't do what God wants me to do, I can't, uh, and, and, and some of the things we'll share in the weeks ahead, some of you, if you don't change this mindset, you'll go, that's good for you, but I can't do that because there's never enough, because you have a scarcity mindset. When we talk about what are God's principles for saving and what are God's principles for spending and what are God's principles for budgeting and what are God's principles for preparing for the future and what does a wise man do? How does he store up wealth for generation after generation? That's what the Bible talks about all this. And your mindset, if it's a scarcity mindset, you'll go, that's great, but it doesn't apply to me because there's never enough. And I want you to get your mind away from dollars and cents. Today, we're not talking about that, okay? We're talking about mindsets, because you can be the wealthiest in the room and have a scarcity mindset, and you can have little and have a scarcity mindset, because the mindset has nothing to do with your account balance. It has to do with what you believe about money, how you relate to money, and what you think about money. If you're tracking, say amen. Amen. And a scarcity mindset is small-minded. It's lack-minded. It's, it's 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 tiny it's it's so i don't dream because there's never enough i don't i don't think big because there isn't enough i don't save now because there's never enough i can't budget because there's never enough and so the and the reason there's never enough is because the line keeps moving in our life it's it's the next raise is is when i'll begin to it's the next promotion is when I'll, I'll begin to. And so the line keeps moving because there's never enough. And that's the excuse we continue to tell ourselves. So we don't get a hold of our resources and manage them in a way that honors God. And the excuse we give ourselves or the out we give ourselves is that there's never enough. And so what happens in a scarcity mindset is we live in survival mode. And so we hoard and so we keep and... And so we look at it and it's just, it's just never, there's never enough. And the root issue, the root issue, remember we're we're going mindset, scarcity. I know you're writing all this down. The excuse is there's never enough. So I stay in that mindset because my excuse is there's never enough. But pastor, you don't see my canvas. There ain't enough. I know we're not talking about We're not talking about dollars and cents, we're talking about mindset. You gotta change the way you think before you change the way you behave. Are you tracking with me? You gotta change the way you think before you change the way you behave. So you gotta catch your thinking. So the excuse is there's never enough, but the root of this is a lack of trust. I wanna show you this, it's a lack of trust the root of scarcity mindset. So I live with a scarcity mindset. I live with a lack mindset. I live in a survival mindset because I have a lack of trust and my lack of trust is in God. I'm gonna show you this, Philippians 4.19 says this, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Maybe if you've been around scripture, you know this verse. And sometimes we go to this verse and you can spiritualize it and go, yes, God's going to meet all my needs. go going to forgive my sin, he's going to give me joy and peace. All that is true, but the context of this is Paul's talking about financial need and physical need. That's great. That's great. So he's telling the church in Philippi, you've been so generous to me and you've helped me so much and I, I'm blessed. And he goes, now he says to them, and I want you to know that my God, the same God that is supplied for me, will meet all of your needs. Now he didn't promise to meet all your wants. So don't be like, I prayed for that. Come on, Pastor. I, I, want it, I, I prayed for that bag and he never bought it for me. <laughs> he has gone to Tyson's yet, got the Louis, brought it. He didn't say all your wants. So Are y'all tracking with me? He's saying, My God shall supply all your Prada, according <laughs> all your Gucci. All your Jordan Elevens, are y'all tracking? Me? Like he just said, I'll provide all your needs, according. Some of y'all are like, what is he talking about? Those are brands. Don't worry, it's good. Okay, <laughs> according to his riches in glory, in Christ. Jesus. In other words, when I live with a scarcity mindset, what I'm saying is that my supply is limited. I understand you go, yeah, but I make a a finite amount of money and that's true, all of us do that and none of us have unlimited resources coming in, but our mindset, are you tracking with me? We're talking about mindset here. So what Paul is saying, no, I serve an unlimited God and my unlimited God is my source and my supply. And so you have to shift your mindset from the company is my supply. No, no company has ever been my supply. God has been my supply. Are y'all tracking with me? Whether I was stuffing basketball at Wilson Sporting Goods and not managing it so well, or I was a bellhop at a Marriott, or I was, I'm going through my list, or a busboy at the Olive Garden, are y'all tracking me? I've done it all, 'all. y'all. Or I was a youth pastor in New York, or I was an intern in Alabama, or as a senior pastor, there's been different... LLCs and INCs that have put the check and been on the name with the deposit that went into the bank. But all of them, superseding them, I had a supply and his name is Jesus and he supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Are y'all tracking with me? So I don't live with a scarcity mindset. I live with wisdom within my means. I'm not saying I live recklessly. Well, God's unlimited. I'll spend it all. He can give me more. (laughs) We're going to talk about being wise next week. Are you tracking? But I'm just saying, I don't live with a closed fist because the same God that supplied at 17, 18, 25, 35, 30, I'm not that old, is the same God that'll supply at 46. Come on, everybody. So I'm going to give you a declaration. I'm going to give you a declaration to, to get in your heart with each one of these. And this is it. I reject a scarcity mindset because I have an unlimited supply. I want you to get that in your heart. I reject a scarcity mindset. Why? Because I have an unlimited supply. This is mindset. We're getting mindset number two. Number two mindset is the avoidance mindset. The avoidance mindset wishes you didn't come to church today. Because now you're having to think about something you want to avoid. <laughs> I don't want to have to think about, like, some of you are like, I'm already feeling overwhelmed because you're th- uh, just, Don't look at me. I don't want to talk about money. I just, the, the avoidance mindset, this, my, my, my nickname for avoidance mindset is the app mindset. It's this mindset. Can we afford that? Yeah, there's money in there. Let's go. It's the app, it's the, it's the, I budget based on, is there anything left? Let's see, I got three days till the 15th. I think everything's come out. Sure, let's go out to eat. There's no stra- I, I'm. I'm hitting some people today. There's no strategy for it. There's no plan for it. There's no category for it. There's no, no, I only spend X amount per month eating out. And once that is gone, it's gone. And so we're going to be eating ramen in the house. If that's what it requires, there's no plan. It's just like, just, just, I don't want constraints. I'm a free spirit. You're going to be free spirit in your parents' basement the rest of your life. And you can't get a girlfriend living in your parents' basement or at least a girl you, anyways. And so, are y'all tracking with me? The void. I just want to kind of dig my head in the sand. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to deal with it. And this is a dangerous way to live. The dangerous way to live. The mindset is avoidance, the excuse is it's too overwhelming. Or, or kind of the, 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 the sister excuse, is it's too constraining. Because I don't want to live within a parameter or a guardrail. And so the excuse is just too overwhelming to think about. I don't want to think about, or it's too constraining. I, feel, I don't want to be constrained. And the root issue If it's avoidance, it's too overwhelming or too constraining, the excuse, the root issue that's underneath all that is I don't want to own. I don't want to have ownership of my current situation. So whether I have a lot and I mismanage it I don't wanna have to own that. And whether I have a little, and I've mismanaged, because this ain't about account statement balance, I don't wanna have to own it. And there's danger walking that road. And you may be like, well, it's worked for me so far. That's great. But can I tell you something that's in your future? Can I speak prophetically to you? I see an oil change in your future. I see tire rotation in your future. I see a hot water heater that's gonna go out in your future. I'm not speaking death over you. I'm just telling you, nothing lasts forever. I see a new roof in your future, in Jesus' name. And if I'm gonna live by the app, do I got money in it? Then it is dangerous to walk down this path knowing there are things in my future I am not prepared for. And so then what happens? I end up like the average American. I got to put it on a credit card and then I'm stressed out and I'm overwhelmed and then we're fighting and we're arguing and they're going on the vacation that we see on Instagram and we want that vacation. And Why can't we go on that vacation? Why? Because we did. We just wanted to stick our, right, I don't want to think about it. I want a voice too overwhelming. I don't have a plan. Proverbs 22.3 says this though, the prudent or the wise They see danger and they take refuge, but the simple, he's not saying the stupid, he's saying the simple. I would have written it differently, but I'm not God. (laughs) They keep going and they what? They They pay the overdraft fee. They pay the stupid tax. I've paid a lot of stupid tax in my life. I'm done paying stupid tax. You know what stupid tax is? Amen. It's where you could have prepared for it. You could have been ready, but you were not ready and then you, got, you had to pay a stupid tax. It's worse than the IRS tax. It hurts a lot worse. <laughs> and so what's our declaration for the avoidance? Here's the declaration. I reject the avoidance mindset. Why? Because I am wise. I have the spirit of God So I have access to wisdom. So I'm declaring over my life and my finances I will be wise. Is this helping? Number three, this is the final. Wrong one, I'm sure there's other ones, but give you three today. Number three is entitlement mindset. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, sir, we're going there. Most of us think the entitlement mindset from one angle, and i give you two angles. One angle is this, and this would be the common one, is that someone owes me something that I did not work for. The government owes me, different people owe me, mom and dad owe me, everybody. And, that, that, and just so you know, that's not a kingdom of God mindset. It's not. The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. So there, the Bible has a personal, there's a personal responsibility understanding. As a believer, you have a personal responsibility I understand there's different situations, circumstance, people, and I'm all about, I think when the body of Christ is, if the the church would do what the church was commanded to do in Scripture, we'd need no government programs. So that's just... Meaning, if everyone tithed, there'd be plenty of resources to take care of everybody, and we wouldn't need government programs. But because the church... Anyways, I don't have time to go on that one today. So... Somebody owes me on one side, but you can be extremely wealthy and have an entitlement mindset. Because you can have an entitlement mindset of I've worked my tail off and I deserve something. So I have nothing and somebody should be taking care of me as entitlement, but also the company owes me, the board owes me. Are y'all tracking with me? And so the excuse is I deserve it. And here's what's dangerous about this mindset is you put your future in somebody else's hands. Because when you have an entitlement mindset, you don't move forward until someone else does something for you and you never take response. So you put your future, you put your joy, you put your peace into someone else's hands. And I think that's a dangerous thing to do. And the root of entitlement mindset is this, it's pride. Because whether it is look how hard I've worked, I deserve it, or somebody owes me something, both of them center around self. I knew it'd get quiet. Both of them center around self and it's pride at the core of both of it. First Peter 5, five through six says this, in the same way, you who are younger submit yourselves to the elders. Now look what it says next. All of you, somebody shall all, all of you, that's everybody. What are we to do? We're to clothe ourselves. What does clothe do? Hopefully today it's covering all of you. <laughs> so every part of yourself, let, you, let yourself be clothed with what, everybody say it together, every campus, clothed with? Humility. Clothed with humility. So I'm not to be clothed with pride, I'm to be clothed with humility, why? Because God opposes the proud but he gives favor, preferential treatment. God has favorites? Yeah. Are you serious, Pastor? Are you really saying that right now? Yes, he does, but you get to choose if you're one of his favorites because he opposes the proud, but he shows preferential treatment to the humble. So if you choose humility, you get his favor. So what do you do? Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand And guess what? He'll lift you up at the right time. He'll make sure you're exalted. He'll take care of you. And so here's the declaration I'm making an entitlement. This is the wrong mindset. We're making this, I'm rejecting an entitlement mindset and I'm embracing what? I'm embracing humility. Nobody owes me anything. God's taking care of me. I'm not gonna have a scarcity mindset. I'm gonna think small minded. I'm not going to have an avoidance mindset. I'm not going to have an entitlement mindset. Because I get to choose the way I think because the way I think determines the way I behave. I heard it said this week that when you're born, you look like your mom and dad. When you die, you look like your choices. And your choices are a result of your mindset. Mindset. And so every 21 days of prayer and fasting, when I read cards that say, I need financial breakthrough, I need financial, man, I pray and I pray and I pray and I believe, but I also think more than a prayer, you need a mindset change, more than a prayer, you may need a spreadsheet. Are y'all with me? Because God never intended for you to live in bondage, overwhelmed when it comes to Money. So what's the one mindset we should have? The one mindset we should have is this. It's a freedom mindset. Because your mindsets don't just affect your money. They affect every area of your life. So if you're scarce in your mindset, you'll be scarce in your relationships. If you're avoiding your mindset, you'll be avoiding your relationships. If you're entitled in your mindset, you'll be entitled in your relationships. But if you're free, whom the sun sets free is free. Indeed, you'll be free in every area of your life, including your money. So <clears throat> let me give you one more verse, and then I'm going to pray for you. Psalms 24.1 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In other words, everything is God's the world and those who dwell therein. Come on, little old school word, therein. What does that mean? That you own nothing. God owns everything. And if that's true, then what does that make me? Makes me a steward of what God owns, a manager. And so then the question becomes, how do I become the best manager, the best steward I can possibly be? I'm going to tell you that next week, so come back. So we're going to talk about next week. Let's pray together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around ask you just keep your seat for a moment. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, you know in your heart that it's not your resources that need the most attention, it's your personal relationship with Jesus. If we were to sit down together and I were to ask you if you know God or if you feel far from Him, your answer today would be that you don't really know. And I just want you to know you don't have to live in that place. That more than you need freedom in your resources, you need freedom in your soul. And Jesus came to give that to you. That where sin has abound, grace much more abounded and that grace is available to you today. The Bible says we've all sinned and we've all come up short of God's standard and that's not a condemning statement, it's the reality of the human condition. But he gave a way for us to have freedom from that. Jesus came, died, he rose again three days later, proving that he was God. And he said, if you'll place your faith in him, if you'll believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, confess that with your mouth, you'll be saved. And today, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. In just a moment, we're going to pray a prayer together. There's nothing magical in the prayer. It's just you and all of us together communicating that declaration to God, that you believe, and that today you want freedom in that area of your life. And so no one looking around, we want not embarrass you for the world. Before we pray, I wanna know who I'm praying with. So I'm gonna to count to three. When I get to three, you just shoot your hand up high enough, long enough for me or your campus pastor to see. And then we're gonna to pray together. So in three, you just shoot your hand up. One, two, three. You just shoot it up high enough, long enough. God bless you, I see you. I see you can put them down. Church, let's pray this together out loud at every location for the benefit of those who just slip their hand up. Just say, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. Today I make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for a brand new beginning. In Jesus' name. Everybody said a big amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate those who made that decision. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Feel free to rate, review, and share with a friend. If you'd like to find out how you can get involved or partner with us financially, visit lifepoint.org or download the Lifepoint app. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart. See you soon.